Good morning, everyone. Uh, as we heard from uh, um, St. James, um, St. Paul speaking to the Corinthian community, uh, speaks about the resurrection of Christ, uh, and uh, he makes reference that uh, Christ and his paschal sacrifice has taken the sting out of death. Uh, that that uh, sting, uh, uh, St. Paul is um, referring to something the prophet Hosea said about he likened uh, the poison of a scorpion when it injects the body sin. Uh, but there he says, uh, worry not, uh, for Christ has conquered all things in the world and uh, uh, for those who believe in him and will follow him. And uh, Jesus in John's gospel, uh, he tells us, do not be overwhelmed when you are troubled in the world. He said, for I have conquered the world. In a way, he's saying, you will be troubled, but do not let it bring you down. Friends, our first reading, um, uh, the prophet uh, suggests the person's talk shows the kind of person that they are. And uh, uh, he'll go on, just as an orchard is judged by the quality of its fruit, so the person's talk shows what kind of person that they are. And this kind of links with what Jesus uh, says in that final parable about a tree is known by its fruit. Um, in the words of, of the mouth flow out of what fills the person's heart. And uh, just as we judge a tree by its fruit, uh, so we judge a prophet by his actions. And any prophet who teaches the truth is nonetheless a false prophet if he himself does not practice what he is putting forth, what he preaches. And uh, a true prophet is the one who behaves according to the Lord's teachings. Friends, in today's gospel, Jesus uses a, a very ancient rabbinical form of preaching. Remember, this is still part of the Sermon on the Plain, so he's still giving a homily. Uh, as he comes to the end of that afternoon, that day, uh, he um, is exercising or he's using a particular type of uh, preaching known as haras, uh, which is uh, translated to string of beads. And uh, this style called for the homilist or the preacher to move rapidly um, from one point to another uh, to keep the people's attention. And uh, though this approach to us can be, dis can be disheveling and kind of seem disorganized, uh, it was used so much that it was considered to be very effective. Uh, Jesus, knowing the people's attention span, uh, is short and that vivid images fix things inside their minds and helps them to remember and retain and to recall them, Jesus presents three powerful parables uh, in the form of, uh, or images in the form of little parables. All three parables, uh, again, continue his homily, his Sermon of the Plain, in which Jesus so far has set forth his teachings uh, in a series of four Beatitudes. So Luke has the Beatitudes different from Matthew. They're not, they're not, they don't conflict with each other, just presented differently. Uh, but in Luke, Jesus puts four blessings or four Beatitudes, uh, contrasting with four woes for the person who does not follow his ways. Next, in his homily, he follows it by a series of radical precepts, such as love your enemy, do good to those who have hurt you, and turn the other cheek. And then he goes even further, hitting people where often their heart is money. He will say, lend expecting nothing to be returned to you. 
my friends perhaps uh, sensing resistance in the ranks uh, to the challenging demands that Jesus has put forth in the Sermon of the Plain, Jesus intends these three images, each packed um, uh, in a brief parable, to clarify the nature of his ways and his teaching. So this first one deals with sight. And uh, uh, um, in Luke's gospel, um, sight is often meant spiritual understanding. Uh, we see this uh, when we see the Samaritan. When the Samaritan finds out uh, he's walking away and it says he sees, he saw that he was healed. It means he understood what was happening and he goes back to give God glory. Uh, there's a very telling uh, account uh, in Luke's gospel about the centurion who's standing near Jesus, uh, who's being crucified, and he dies. And there, um, Luke says that the centurion saw. He comes to understand. The centurion says, truly, this is the Son of God. That's Luke 23, 47. In both instances, they see and understand and then give God glory. Uh, the point of this little parable, then, is that if a disciple or anyone else has doubts about Jesus' teachings, it is only because they have not yet learned. They have not yet come to understand and see things as Jesus does. My friends, uh, remember, uh, he gives a very sharp rebuke to Peter when he says, Get behind me, Satan. You think not as my father, but as the world does. And so he had to teach Peter, but the Lord had to teach many. Moses, my goodness, it took a long time for Moses. And then uh, there were other prophets, but then there came Peter and the disciples. And even Jesus says at some time, how much longer will you not understand? How much longer will I have to be with you? And Paul, oh my goodness, um, there was some harsh treatment there to get Paul's attention to get him to understand. And uh, my friends, there are people who are still blind to the ways of God and consequently are incapable, really, of leading others to God. And uh, only when they fully accept Jesus' teachings are they able to lead others without stumbling and falling into a pit. My friends, and this becomes a difficult thing. I mean, my Lord is still working on me, I believe. <laughs> and, uh, but... Uh, My friends, uh, the second parable, contrasting the difference between a speck and a plank, or a beam, as Jesus calls it in one's eyes, is meant, uh, in a way, a tongue-in-cheek, uh, to poke fun at the human tendency to find faults in others without uh, being uh, obvious of the ones, or we're oblivious, if you will, to the ones that uh, our own faults. And <clears throat> it is a reminder to the disciples that they, too, have blind spots, that need to be removed before they can serve as <clears throat> the guides and the leaders of Jesus' church along his ways. And all too frequently, the faults that call for correction in the disciple, which Jesus likens to a beam, may be more serious than the faults that they have picked out in the other people, uh, which Jesus refers to as a splinter. It's kind of funny when you see how he contrasts that. Those who refuse to acknowledge their faults Jesus calls hypocrites. Now, in Jesus' time, <clears throat> there is a nuance about this word. And hypocrite, in the ancient times, uh, was what they referred to as an actor. And, uh, and those actors, you know, they were in 
uh, costume, so they wore a mask and they played, they played, they pretended to be someone. And uh, masks were typical in the ancient theater and particularly in Greek tragedy and dramas. Jesus knows this uh, idea, but then he puts it into a negative. Uh, so with the negative image of a hypocrite or the actor who's pretending, Jesus makes it clear he wants no play acting. He doesn't want his followers to pretend and to have pretense. Cer certainly not self-righteousness. Um, Christians should live what they profess, putting into practice precisely what Jesus has taught, and those teachings have also been handed down by the apostles, and thus his church. And my friends, I'll be very clear with you, I will never, ever apologize for a teaching of the church. Never. I am not wiser than my master, but I hope to be like him in his ways. And I am not wiser than Mother Church, so I will never apologize. And yes, I live in the world as you do. And some of the teachings are difficult. They are hard to understand. And sometimes, even as me as priest, I have to ask Jesus, I do not understand. It's hard. It's hard. But he is wiser than I. So I simply put my hand into his. Lead me. As a child does to a father. I don't know where we're going, and I don't understand why I'm going. It may sound simple, but it is not. It requires trust and faith. My friends, the third parable of knowing a tree by its fruit is similar to what the prophet Sirach was talking about. He was referring to speech, but Jesus uh, presents to us a more demanding image. While Sirach suggested we know people by what they reveal of themselves to us by their speech. If uh, Sirach was here today, he would say not only your speech, but your postings and your tweets and your, <laughs> right? Jesus maintains a better criterion by which to judge a person's character um, is the deeds that the person does. Jesus uses the image of a tree, referring to most likely an olive tree, um, because that was what was in abundance there, and, but also which came from their two staples of their food, which was olives and olive oil. But the people that Jesus is talking to knew well these trees. They knew how to care for them. They also knew uh, when the tree was not very good and to stay away from it, or when it was really good and to gather everything from it. Um, and so uh, the people that Jesus was speaking to on this plane were largely agricultural folks. And uh, so they understood the parable. They understood what the simile that Jesus was using. The people knew from experience that only a good tree could produce good fruit and that a bad tree is never going to produce anything but bad fruit and to stay away from it. For Jesus' actions serve far better indicators of the character than words, because he knew well how actions could contradict one's words. And Jesus, when he was arguing, uh, put, defending himself, really, said, if you do not trust my words and cannot believe them, at least look at what I have done, the good, and then judge. 
Over and over again, he urged people to avoid the examples of the Pharisees and scribes precisely because they did not practice what they preached. We'll find that in Matthew 23, 1 through 5. Jesus wanted no hypocrisy, nuance, no pretending, and no acting as if. And also, um, he didn't want the pharisaic foolishness uh, that was going on in the religion of his time for his disciples. My friends, this, these parables uh, present us with some tension because these parables are talking about how we see things and how we discern and how we judge. And we've heard in the other Gospels, judge not lest you be judged. So there has to be some nuance here. And uh, I believe what Jesus is saying is do not judge rashly. I mean, he's saying you judge a tree by its fruit. So he said be informed, be Learn my ways and understand, and you'll be able to compare them to see what the person is doing. And so we should not judge rashly. And uh, we must come to discern that which is wicked and that which is evil. And my friends, this sometimes, my father's had one of those weeks. And uh, regarding evil, um, evil is not a division between two groups of people necessarily or nations. It is never simply a matter of them and we. From what Jesus tells us, it is a line that runs through every human heart. And um, when we reflect on the kinds of evils that are perpetrated in the world of late, there's a lot certainly in the spoken word and written, texting and uh, posting. But we've written some... Um, judging and blaming and condemning is a, a favorite mode in the world of late. And I believe that uh, it is peppered by misinformation and uh, misformed consciences. So uh, for us, we need to uh, do this very carefully and very wisely. Uh, I think uh, also what is very nuanced is the condemnation, condemning people you're going to go to hell. Well, in the scriptures, that is not said. Jesus would say, you don't want to go to Gehenna, or better for you to go to heaven with your eye plucked out rather than to go, uh, you know, be maimed rather than to be in Gehenna with everything working. So there was just, uh, we, and I rely on Mother Church to help us to understand all these teachings and ways and um, you know, sometimes, uh, my friends, people, um, Christians in particular, uh, because the teachings of Jesus Christ is given through him and his apostles down to the church and through Mother Church, um, become difficult. And um, sometimes people will say, well, I don't think Jesus would blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's a feeling, not a teaching that is not grounded in the scripture, but in your heart. And your heart has been peppered by the ways of the world. Because uh, in time, people uh, have lobbied the church as a bigot, the church and the priest is, and they're a hypocrite. Because it goes against the grain of what culture says in society. 
We'll go back and see what Jesus has done. He has fought against the culture of his time. Yes, and he, and he also had to set right the religious people, too, who have been falsely. They also were influenced by negative things. But um, those are feelings, and those are not what's grounded in the Scriptures and given to us through the apostles. So um, that's what people say when they can't have their way. Basically having a temper tantrum. So to go back to the Scriptures, look at it. Trust uh, the apostles. Trust the church. I am always, when I am always open to correction by my authorities if I do something wrong, I am humble enough, tell me, and I will fix it and I will make my amends because I want to get to heaven. <laughs> and believe me, I do enough to keep myself out of it on my own. <laughs> so I rely on God's grace. I remember um, something uh, Philip Neary, St. Philip Neary said, uh, and it never leaves my heart. I wrote I read a little note about it because I found it really funny. He said, he's talking about people who fall from grace. And uh, he said, you know, we, we may know how the person fell from grace, but we may not understand and fully know all the times that person has fought hard against that wicked or evil thing and succeeded, but then finally was overtaken. And um, he said, we sometimes... Uh, judge these people rashly because uh, it's based on little knowledge about the person, really, that we are judging, um, and ignorance or denial of the evil within ourselves. But St. Philip Neri would say this when someone would fall from grace, there but for the grace of God go I. <laughs> and I was like, oh, mercy. <laughs> I'm going to remember that saint saying that. What he was saying was it was only by the grace of God that that was not me. And he was not condemning that person, just saying, I'm going to pray for that person. And, uh, and that talks about self-discipline. And we need more self-discipline, not so much guarding over our tongues. Our tongues do not act independently. So we can self-discipline our hearts and our minds. Our tongues would be that way also.